as an industry we made it our business to learn about games, how they work, about their resonance and their successes or failures. There's a human side to the industry as well. My name is Paul James and welcome to Dev Diary, a series that explores and celebrates the incredible feats of the people behind the games as we dive into their stories, the highs, the lows and everywhere in between. In this episode, I'm joined by Joe Hobbs, lead 3D artist at Deep Silver Fish Labs. So join us as we explore his journey. Of course, Dev Diary is funded by an amazing group of people at patreon.com slash devdiarypodcast. They help grow the show, make it bigger, make it more successful, and they've got early access to this episode. Consider checking it out yourself, and if you can't do that, perhaps consider throwing the show a five-star review or equivalent on your podcast service of choice. Thanks a lot, and enjoy the show. So today I'm joined by Joe. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I'm good. How are you? Very well. It's a very exciting for you and, and the house. A very exciting time for you and the household these days. Between moving homes, between having a baby, lots of really really cool things going on in your life these days. So I guess before we even focus on all of the games related things and kind of the, the purpose for you being on the show, how how is life in that in that instance? How are you adapting to parenthood? Uh, whilst, yeah, I guess even going through the latter stages of the pregnancy period uh, with your partner and moving home, how, how has all of that been? Um, pretty chaotic, honestly. <laughs> we, we, we decided that we don't do anything easily. Uh, we, um, we moved from France um, at the same time of me starting a new job, at the same time of my wife about to give birth. We also bought a house here in Sweden, <laughs> so there's the whole house purchasing side of things. And, and nothing goes wrong with that. My... No, 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 yeah. never. And then, and then my wife gave birth, so we've been doing that. Um, yeah, so we just decided to embrace chaos. I think is uh, what we the, the route we went. If, if we're gonna do it, we're gonna do it the hard way. Why not? We're just doing everything at the same time because what could go wrong? Exactly. Um, and I guess, I mean, now that things are starting to settle down, feeling pretty good about it, feel it like easing into everything again, you're not, you're not, as we speak, you're not too far from returning to work again. Yeah. I'm, I'm a couple of weeks away. Um, yeah, the, the house is still a mess to be honest. So we have a lot to <laughs> do there. Um, because we basically haven't, we kind of got in and then that's it. Uh, there's stuff everywhere. Uh, I mean, with, so we you're with child now, it's always with. going to be that way now. Yes. Forget, yes. forget the so moving component. It'll always be that way now. <laughs> it's, I'm tiptoeing around everything these days. My kids are four and two, and I'm tripping and tipping over everything. It's just fine. Yeah. Fingers. Makes no sense, but it's there. It, it's going to stay that way, I think, for a while. But we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> Lots of fun. Well, this is Dev Diary, series where we talk to developers from throughout the industry. They share their stories, their experiences, and the journey has led to this current point in time. Now, Joe, there's some fantastic titles that you've been a part of and lots of really cool projects and lots of questions I want to ask about all of those things. But before we get to any of that, I'd love to rewind to a point way prior when you were first experiencing games, when you first found games. Do you recall what some of the first games were that you ever played? Not necessarily the first one, but if you know that, that'd be fantastic as well. But where did it all begin? Yeah, um, I know exactly the first game I played. Oh, awesome. I was... Um... I must have been around six or seven. Uh, my uh, so I'm one of three uh, brothers, and yep. my dad came in one day with Super Nintendo, 
um, so it, it, he kind of set it up in the living room and called us all in, and there was this thing on the floor, and it was this Family little box. And I'm going, you know, I, I have no idea what's going on, but on the screen it said like Super Mario World, and I'm going, this is the most exciting thing I've ever seen <laughs> in my life. Um, now I am the middle brother, so my older brother got the first go, and you know he played it for like I, I don't know, I, it didn't seem very long. Um, and he got bored and went outside because that's my brother. And then I basically started playing and never stopped. <laughs> I figured you might have been third in line to try because the you know all the, all those sayings about the middle child being kind of last and missing out and all those sorts of things. I thought you might have had to then wait for the youngest to have a go. Now, I think I think my my younger brother he was actually a little too young at the time oh, okay. to really to really get it. Um, but I was the perfect age to just lose myself in, in Mario. So yes, yeah, Mario World uh, on the SNES was my first game. Um, and I it, it was just down the rabbit hole after that. I couldn't I would pester my parents for games and, and, and anything I could get my hands on. Yeah. Um, so there was, you know, Link to the Past um, was definitely a standout on the SNES as well. Um Final Fantasy Mystic Quest then as well oh, would have been yes. my would have been my first Final Fantasy experience, uh, which I still hold close to my heart. I think it's a wonderful game. We're clearly coming up um, on very similar games at very similar times because for me, yeah, Super Nintendo and Mystic Quest was one of those in particular that I look back on so fondly. It was only about a week or two ago where I was listening back via Apple Music to a. Uh, um, like so, so a remixed kind of soundtrack or whatever, which had been inspired by playing Theatre Rhythm recently, and they added that as DLC, and you could you could go and play those out uh, there. So, um, holds a real place in the heart, and some of the, so some of the music in that, the battle themes and the I, like, amazing. I actually adore the music in that game. Oh. Um, it's like Might they tried to do metal, oh, like eight bit metal as well. It was sixteen bit metal. It was brilliant. It was so, so cool. Good. And I've finally found someone to talk Mystic Quest with me. This is the best. I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever encountered anyone up this point who's had either a fondness or at least, rec- or even recalls necessarily that game. I'm actually halfway play. through a new playthrough of it on my phone. Like I've got a ROM of it on my phone, and it's one of those games I can just sort of whip out and and like just play a few games, uh, play a few battles, and yeah, love even that game. Better. Screen X, if you want to pixel remaster it, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I'd play that again. <laughs> It's kind of like I think they designed that game to be sort of baby's first RPG because that's how it yeah. plays. But it, it, you know, it, it has a lot of the core elements of an of a of an RPG, but just not a lot of depth. Um, yeah. But it's 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 Final Fantasy through and through, and it's glorious. Yeah, not not enough praise has been heaped upon that game, so we'll we'll get that started now, and we'll just have to do like some dedicated <laughs> episode or podcast at some point in the future just to sing the praises of that game in particular. But uh, how did things progress from there for you? As as you got a bit older and you presumably got to experience more consoles, maybe PC gaming, and um, yeah. as you said, you were pestering the parents about different games. So how did things progress from there? Did you find yourself attached to any franchises, genres, any specific games along the way? Um, yeah, so the PlayStation came out. I ended up with a PC at some point. Um, on the PlayStation, it was really uh, Final Fantasy VII was yep. big impact on me. I'm even wearing a Final Fantasy VII Yes, right I can now. see that. Sorry, listeners. Um, Final Fantasy VII shirt on. <laughs> um, 
on PC, I yeah, I, I mean, I started playing Tomb Raider, I think. Yeah. Uh, so that was a that was a, a memorable one for me. I can't remember what else I played on PC, but I think there was Command and Conquer, um, which kicked off my sort of RTS uh, love of RTS games. Um, but yeah, on it was mainly console, mainly mainly PlayStation, um, and then I ended up with N sixty four, I think, at some point. Um, and there was Smash Bros. And I remember playing Street Fighter, but that might be on the snares. Yeah, I God, think yeah, but stairs, yeah. yeah, and then, but yeah, things things progress pretty pretty you know, commonly with the generations of consoles and things and and PC gaming. I kind of just I my life was was games. Uh, yeah. I I don't I like it was anything my parents could do. Like you know, they they want to punish me for doing something stupid. They wouldn't send me to my room. They'd send me outside. Um, you know Time that's that's the punishment the for yeah. someone like me. Or they, you know, turn pull the fuse out of my room and turn all the power off from my room or something. Because that's like the ultimate punishment for someone like me. Yeah, I can't can't use any of my uh, my computers. Yeah, I can I can totally appreciate that. Um, I guess I was in this interesting space where I love getting out and playing sports, but also loved video games. And so I think mum and dad were always a little bit confused as to how they could potentially punish me because throw him outside and he's happy throw tuck him inside or whatever and he's happy um take the power out and he'll just go he'll just go outside uh it was a i'd like to think that i wasn't too much of a naughty child anyway but certainly if i was then uh <laughs> there wasn't gonna be much they could really do to kind of nip me in the bud too much but anyway um whether i did you, i guess did you find yourself aligning with certain platforms at all obviously you touched on playstation but there was a bit of nintendo 64 you messed around with pc did, did, was there a kind of ecosystem that you gravitated towards at all guess not i I'd, I'd say it was i played a bit of everything like my brother i never got a dreamcast but my brother had one um and i kind of just I don't know. I, I was mainly a fan of games. I didn't really care what the the, the the platform was or console it was. It was it was about the game. It wasn't really about. It was more like a console was cool. It just opened up more um, possibilities of different things I could play that weren't available on other things. Um, yeah. Which for me was just really interesting. Uh, you know, I started with Nintendo, but you know, then PlayStation was a thing, and that had discs and 3D, and that was and Final insane. And Final Fantasy, which <laughs> you know became you know the big deal when Final Fantasy, the new Final Fantasy came out, it was like the most exciting time in the world. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I never really had a preference. I've always had a preference for like RPGs. Um, I didn't get into multiplayer gaming for a long time. Um, it really does sound like we've walked a very similar path. Like it was the the, the RPGs and specifically the JRPGs that drove me, and multiplayer certainly wasn't a factor until I was I was north of eighteen and. And kind of had friends around that would want to dabble in that. Maybe we'd play. Oh, gee, I think one of the very first multiplayer games that I re- really properly gave a crack to, and I guess not the Smash Brothers and those sorts of more fa- family-friendly style things on on the Nintendo side was like Resistance: Fall of Man when it launched with the PS3. Like that was, mm-hmm. and that's when I, like my taste started to broaden. I and I was make, making my own money, had a bit of an income, so I could experiment a bit more beyond what Mum and Dad had been pumping into me o- over those years. Which were very mm. much the JRPGs and action, you know, Zeldas and those sorts of things that that they kind of had a passing interest in as well. So yeah, it sounds like there's a similar sort of trajectory in that in that sense. Yeah, I mean, I went by the time World of Warcraft came out, I kind of discovered 
multiplayer online gaming. Um, yeah. I've been playing Counter-Strike with some people I met on EVE Online, and they introduced me to Counter-Strike. And I think there was a time where I was sort of concurrently playing EVE Online and Final Fantasy XI yeah, okay. um, on, online. Um, and that Did was all very new to me. No, I didn't sleep <laughs> through my through my 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 teenage years. I slept at school, <laughs> um, and I I remember then World of Warcraft came out, and it didn't come out in Europe um, at the same time. It came out in America first, yes. and um, my and I'd been playing Counter Strike with Americans, and they they said, "Hey, you should you should get this game." I was like, "Okay, I'll, I'll try and get it." And somehow I got a copy of uh, American copy of. World of Warcraft, and I started playing on American servers with 250 ping, and screw it, like why yeah, not? I and I went, I, I went, I went, I went hard on on Classic WoW. I that that I started raiding with a server first guild, and um, I basically played with them through the, all of vanilla, and that was my school years. <laughs> um, and yeah, sleeping through yeah. school, as you said. Yeah, pretty much. The teacher in me does uh, bristles a little bit at it, but uh, I can also appreciate yeah. it as well. I definitely got caught sleeping in, in a few classes. I, <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I did. I know, I fell asleep in a few. <laughs> um, and so, I guess from there, as we start moving closer and closer to this point where you actually entered the industry, uh, do you consider there to be any games, any moments along the way that perhaps informed the decision to actually pursue? opportunities in this space like was it was it or was it really just like a compilation of of many years of enjoying games and and a love of them and deciding well i want to get into that well my journey into games is not typical um i failed miserably to be honest with you i um when i when i finished school the idea of working in games was not realistic uh, yeah. there were no real courses when i finished school that didn't it wasn't universities didn't recognize it there were there weren't really anything there were like art degrees and there were animation degrees but nothing game focused that didn't really exist um and my family has a background in film so i kind of tried to get into the film industry and hated that because i really don't like that industry um i discovered at the time and this is um sort of my early 20s at this point um and then I think around the age of sort of 23, 24, I found a bachelor's degree in game art. And I went, oh, okay, well, um, this is going to cost a small fortune, but <laughs> let's get, let, let's, let, you know, this is what I want to do. Because I think someone had just said to me, like, you know, think about really what you want to do. I was quite artistic and I was, uh, but I didn't, I didn't know what to do with it. Um, and I sat myself down and I went, well, you know, I, I like games, so let's let's see what I can find. So I, I managed to get into this course. Um, the course itself, we I won't go into too much, but um, I graduated and thought I was better than I was and didn't find work, so I was miserable. Um, basically, what happened was is I got really depressed, and I spent about five years um, doing any other job. I was working in bars and clubs and restaurants and um just ignoring the fact that i had a degree a degree in game art and and not really getting anywhere um and i kind of gave up so i can't remember what kind of gave me a kick up the ass i think i was just really depressed and uh my family just said you know 
you know, give it another go and and see see how we go, see how see how you get on. Um, and I think what I ended up doing was I met someone who had worked on Tomb Raider and a bunch of like classic games, right? And he kind of looked at my stuff and went, "Well, you look, you know what you're doing." And he's just like, so he he kind of mentored me a little bit. Mostly it was encouragement. And then he was like, "Look, I know the course director of this course at this university for a master's degree. Maybe you should just do that. Give yourself like a solid year. Just just do art, right? For yeah. a solid year." Um, and because I didn't know anyone in the industry, I, I I had no network. I didn't know anyone else that wanted to do this. Um, Which certainly makes it a lot had, harder at the beginning. Yeah, it, it was. I just felt so alone, to be honest. Um, and. Yeah, I took the degree, and I and I just I stopped everything else in my life. I I went right. This is what I'm doing for the next year, and I I eradicated my social life. I dedicated 24 hours a day to this to, to trying to do this. Um, and Ubisoft offered me a job about a month before I graduated. Um, it's nice when things work that's, out. That's that's yeah. That's when, that's when things went very well. Um, and I yeah. So I've not been in the industry, honestly. Um, as long as 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 I am old, because I am nearly thirty-seven, but I've only been doing this about seven years. Yeah. Um, whereas you get, you know, I see people now approaching thirty that are basically seniors. They've been in the industry for nine years yeah, already, and I'm going, oh, for God's sake! <laughs> it, it is it like yeah, the aging, like the kind of lifespan within game development is still it's still a very odd one. Um, as, as kind of this industry matures, it's those timelines a little bit warped and weird at times and thanks for so much for kind of sharing a little bit about that too because i mean i i do my due diligence when i'm preparing for this show and i go i go through the linkedins and all, any other sort of resources that might be available and i saw things like the silver cup and double negative eight nights you're doing some freelance art along the way there and there was this little gap um and obviously that's not necessarily going to be the well as you've just kind of indicated it's not necessarily the best point in your life but certainly um i think for those listening and anyone who's kind of aspiring to, to get into this industry it's it's a you know a, thankfully you've obviously come out the other side and found yourself in some some with some great opportunities since but it is a reminder for some people where they might be struggling to find that spot in the industry or know how to get started but know that it's a thing they want that you are proof positive that is absolutely a thing if you know maybe sometimes it is the encouragement of those important around you that gets you there sometimes opportunities fall in people's laps whatever it might be that those opportunities are there and it's just a sometimes it's just a matter of time um, so you know, thanks for sharing um, about that particular portion because I'm I'm sure as you're kind of potentially suggesting there it wasn't the wasn't the best of periods of in your life. No, it wasn't. It it really sucked. But um, honestly, it, it it's kind of shaped my attitude towards um, education for this industry in general and and to students that yep. I I know what they're going through very well. I know how they're feeling because I felt it um, and I felt it keenly and I felt the despair. <laughs> um, so I, I, I've kind of dedicated as much time as I am able to, to helping and encouraging um, and advising uh, as much as I, I kind of can just through social media, because it's like the easiest way to reach people. Absolutely. Um, uh, and it seems to, have, you know, I, I know I've helped people, um, and that 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 you know gives me some kind of 
I'm not saying satisfaction, but just like I'm happy that someone doesn't have to go through the same shit that you know I went through because they're getting the right advice at the right time, and it's not. You know, it isn't easy to hear sometimes. Don't get me wrong. Like, I tell you what, I, what, I, what kicked it off was that I was already being contacted by people asking for a review of their work, and I, I felt miserable because I have to be the guy who is telling the graduate of a three to four year degree that they are unemployable, that their work is not up to standard. That's not um, fun. And that is a really unpleasant thing to have to tell somebody um, and then have to try and encourage them and say, hey, you, you could do this, but realistically, you have like another year of hard work ahead of you before someone's going to give you a job. And yeah, I, I got really fed up with it. And I was also being contacted by people that I couldn't help. So I sort of started to try and um, network a bit to help more people in different areas. Well, I mean, let's use the opportunity in terms of the helping others and, and extending that hand and, and lowering the ladder for people. Uh, the the game dev advice contact list is obviously one of those things that you've had a big hand in. Um, so, I mean, you created it. How did, how did that come about in the first place? Um, and I guess in terms of proliferating something like that as well, um, I guess we should talk yeah. a little bit about it again. There's plenty of people who are looking to get into game dev that listen to this show, so it might be a handy resource for them as well. Yeah, I mean, I anyone who's looking to get into it, you should 100% use that list. It, it's designed um, to be filled with professionals who have volunteered their information to help you. Um, they're not going to sit there and teach you, but they are going to give you the advice to tell you what you should do next and review your work. And that's really what it's for. Um, it's still going to be on you. They're not going to hold your hand because they don't have time. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and most Everyone's of them busy. will, you know, you mostly need to pay somebody for that kind of like mentorship. But it's there to have someone look at your work who is a professional who you can tell who can tell you kind of, you know, what's what, you know, what what you're doing wrong, what you're doing right, and and give you some focus um, because that's what I lacked. Uh, yeah. I lacked somebody telling me that originally, and I needed that, and I but they didn't exist. So um, how did this come about? I had some free time um i was between jobs uh where was i i think i was that's right i was i'd finished my work in the uk at frontier and i had a a gap of a few weeks before i was heading back to france and i just had found myself with a lot of free time so i just went on twitter which i've been yeah i found myself on twitter just going talking to people going man I wish I could help these people more. And I just put out a tweet and I said, Hey, let, you know, if anyone is interested, I'm going to put this list together um, of, you know, this is how it's going to work. This is how I want it to work. And I just had, I, I, I made enough connections and I didn't have that many followers at the time. I probably had a, a, a few thousand um, in comparison to now. And, but they were all devs pretty much. Yeah. And they all just started like that, that, that tweet went, nuts and i think i had about five to six hundred devs dm me in the space of 48 hours and i'm just <laughs> you, sitting you there like copy paste information like and even and then my 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 fiance my wife now uh at the time was just helping me she was like also like helping me copy paste stuff into this list um 
and it just went it went kind of nuts and it was really good and it was just like it's really awesome to see that the community gives a shit that they yeah. they know exactly what i'm talking about that they know that the education for games is honestly not great everywhere um i like i I'm not going to bash education, but I am going to say that games education is lacking sorely in in a lot of places, um, yes. at least from my experience. So uh, this was a way to give students a way to get reality thrown at them by people that I know that they will listen to. They will listen to a professional. Because like kids don't always listen to teachers they kind of go yeah 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 you know like they kind of they they, they just kind and of say like, like oh yes all right mate yeah okay you sure like but you know someone who's actually doing what they want to do they have to listen to that person yeah. <laughs> like, no, no, you're um, absolutely right they take it so much more seriously and it's where like as someone who is a teacher trying to pull the strings to find the right resources to to put options in front of people, regardless of whatever their path or intended journey might be is, is huge. And if you can do that, it really, really helps. So I completely understand and relate there, even though I'm unfortunate the teacher is, who is sometimes fobbed off. <laughs> yeah. But I like it. Um, look, I, I, I've had a lot of conversations with teachers as well. I've sat down on, on, on long discord calls with, with, with educators just to discuss the problems and the difficulties and, that they encounter um and i look students are not are not easy no, no um and faculty and education systems is a nightmare to 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 educators who need to essentially traverse the the politics of schools and universities to be able to teach the kids what they need to know um you know just the the legis just the rules behind what is even considered a degree uh it, it, in my opinion, is kind of, you know, backwards for yeah. what is relevant to a, a someone looking to get into games. Um, in a lot of cases, so it's tough. Yeah, the systems don't always make it easy for people. So, yeah, completely, completely understand that one. Now we've we've jumped forward a little bit. Obviously, you touched on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I, I started that, so don't, <laughs> no fault of yours. Uh, you obviously touched on Ubisoft making an offer to you as you were getting to the end of that master's course there. So, so how did that come about? Um, you know, I guess I don't know if it's necessary common story out in that part of the world necessarily that uh, people still working, going through their studies are receiving offers like that. Or, you know, when we obviously hear about like internship models and sometimes it's, yeah. it really goes, boils down to go out and earn your stripes and then apply. Like there's lots of other models at play. So how did it work out for you that, uh, I guess, they found you in the first place? Uh, oh, I, quite simply, they I mean, the technical art director found me on ArtStation. Um, yeah. I had, as I'd finished each project uh, in the Masters, I was just keeping my portfolio as updated as I could. I was talking to people, like, how should I present this? And I was looking at people, other, other people's work and trying to, you know, present my work as professionally as I could. Um, and they were looking for a prop artist and they didn't have a props team in that studio at the time. There was a technical director who went, you know, we need to find somebody. And he told me he'd kind of exhausted all of the prop artists in France. So he kind of, uh, you know, sort of further. Yeah. Searching a little further afield. 
And he just sent me an email. He just said, hey, you know, I saw your work on ArtStation. Would you be interested in applying uh, for, to Ubisoft Annecy? Um, we've worked on all of these games. And he did the whole sort of sold, sold me on the, on the pitch. And I'm going, Ubisoft, hell yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm in no position to say no to something like this. So I applied. Uh, I did an art test, um, which is a standard policy for, for Ubisoft, um, which I happily nailed. Um, and they, you know, they gave me an offer. Um, it, it, it was pretty straightforward when it all went well. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's 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 nice when things just just work out in that sense. But um, I guess from there, for anyone who's potentially unaware, that that leads you to uh, with the with the timing that you arrived as well, leads you to doing as you said, prop artist and working on the likes of the Division Two, some of its DLC, X Defiant, um, and I guess there was multiple stints at. Ubisoft, so we'll, we'll focus on kind of the the first one there before you moved on to Frontier. Uh, what was it like once you actually got on and were part of the scene officially, and you got to do development work? What, what what was that early stage like, and how did things kind of settle with you after after all this time, where you know potentially seemed at different points like you'd never get there? It was terrifying. Um, <laughs> like it, I, I, I moved to a new country. I moved to a new country. Um, I didn't speak the language. Um, I cursed my 14 year old self for not paying attention in French <laughs> and um, but you know they, they were, they were lo- it's a lovely studio it was a lovely team um, they made me feel very welcome I had, in, in, I had terrible imposter syndrome I, I felt I, I certainly did not belong um, and I was constantly questioning what I was what I was doing and if it was good enough and I was working on the division two and I'm going, I, and I would, I had the time to get a big division one fan. And I, and I loved that game. Um, so for me, I, I felt like I was in a dreamland. Um, but you know, I got, I got past that and, uh, just really lost myself in the work and really focused on it. Um, didn't really think about anything else to be honest, other than trying to settle in, in France for a bit. And it, it, you know, I learned a huge amount. I was surrounded by some very talented people. They gave me a lot of encouragement. Um, it just happened that naturally the work that I'm inclined to do and the way I'm inclined to work was just very good for that particular project. So it became very easy for me to, to just do what I thought looked good um, at, within the confines of the project and the, and the you know, all of the requirements that we had and it went pretty well and everything everyone was very happy about it um my career progressed pretty quickly uh from that point Um, yeah fairly rapid ascent yeah Um, yeah moving moving through kind of different roles and tiers within within the studio there and again obviously we touched on both the the division two itself the dlc around that x defiant um and i guess how did you kind of handle that fairly rapid ascent obviously you spoke about the imposter syndrome to begin with but once you had settled in you start moving through the ranks a little bit did a lot of that really fade away a bit i mean it never really leaves it has now um it's taken a long time but my career has been very uh odd in that you know most people's career in the games industry goes um junior mid senior principal or lead and that's just kind of the general like every studio has different names for everything and even even 
levels in between all of that. Yeah, um, but it follows but the same that's, arc. That's the general same thing, right? Um, whereas I, after the work on Division 2, they asked me if I wanted to um, be a lead. And that meant going from a junior position to a managerial position, um, which doesn't it's a really happen. But I was quite, you know, I, I was a bit older than than my peers um, in some cases, and I'd been training because I'd started as the new, like the only prop artist. But the team expanded in in that in that year, and I had trained each one that came on. So by the yeah. time we'd finished, there was a team of five. Um, it was too much for the for the director who was managing all of them plus his own team. So they asked me if I wanted to be the lead of the props team. I would be dumb to turn that down. Of course, I'd done yeah. some managerial stuff in the past, not in this industry. So I was kind of familiar with what that meant. Um, and I'd made plenty of mistakes in the past doing that. So I also was a Had bit more loadings. prepared of what not to do. <laughs> um, so I, uh, yeah, I took it on and... Um, I had to learn. I had to really learn where to find the job satisfaction for that because, you know, mentally I had prepared myself for like, okay, the next ten years are going to be I'm going to uh, go from junior to mid to senior. I enjoy prop art a lot, so I'm just going to stick with this, and this is what I'm going to do. Um, and then all of a sudden, a year in, I'm a manager, and all of those mid sections they don't Excuse apply me. anymore. So. I've skipped all of that, so I'm going. Okay, uh, now what do I do? <laughs> um, I have to learn how to how to do this and and learn to be good at it because this is now actually what I started enjoying more. Um, because as a manager, you really don't get to do much artwork. Yeah, it's far less um, far less hands on and far more. I mean, as you say, you know, managerial. You're directing people and guiding and meetings and the less very high level parts of the job, I guess, in some ways. Um. Kind of, kind of not. It depends. It depends on like. It depends on what you want to achieve. You know, Uh, in my position, I have a a greater impact on the direction of the game, the decisions that we make at a much higher level um, before it even gets to my team. You know, and that to me, I I have a, a greater impact on what we do with the game, and to me, that's really cool. Um, and I get to, uh, you know, but mostly I spend my time helping people. Um, yes. And, and it's a lot of project management and team management. That's, that's what it is. Um, and obviously, I mean, you've, you've brought some experience from, uh, from the past along with you, but how do you feel like you developed in that role um, over time? Because, of course, yes, you've got some skills and experiences, but it is still um, different again, you know, trying to refine the craft in the game development scene. Uh, do you feel like yeah. you, you took to it pretty quickly in the end? Yeah, I mean, all I could really do was talk to my, you know, world lead. The the she was the world, the world lead, the world director, yeah. and who was my manager then. Um, and I would just go to her and just say, like, look, I don't know if I'm doing great <laughs> or not, but you know, you guys seem happy. So, and she was like, honestly. You know, we're we're really happy, and you know, you seem like a natural at it. And I'm going, okay, well, I'm just going to keep doing what I think is right. <laughs> and that, I, honestly, let, let the comp- I, moral I, compass drive you. Pretty much, it's most most of my first couple years doing that was going by what I felt was the right decision, just trusting my gut on it. 
Um, and and to be honest, like I felt like I was even offered the position because even as a junior, we would we would sometimes end up in meetings, and. If you've ever been in sort of corporate situations, when there are directors in the room, most people don't say shit. Um, they are too. They just let the leadership talk. Well, I was that dumbass in the background who went, hey. "Well, actually, you could do this." <laughs> um, who and I kind of, I, I, I didn't care. I just, I said what I thought. But the um, gasp and everyone else in the room looks around to see who opened their mouth and yeah, pretty much yeah, like you. <laughs> but. You know, and I, I know I didn't always get it right, but um, I wasn't afraid to speak up. I wasn't afraid to speak my mind. And actually, when you're in a creative industry, you have to realize that everyone in that room is creative. Everyone, when 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 uh, confronted with a problem, has an idea. Yeah, everyone does. Um, but a very small percentage of those people will actually voice it, um, and or feel confident enough to voice it in a group setting um and i would just i would just go you could do this and or or something uh and sometimes we went with it sometimes we didn't um and i guess i said the right thing at the right time and i Impressed made right a good people. impression yeah I, I made a good impression and they went well actually you you already trained the team and you don't seem afraid of speaking your mind so you'd probably be pretty good at this um and yeah, that's how I've kind of just run with it since. Well, it's worked pretty well for you. So, yeah. um, I mean, as, as we've touched on, you've been a part of some really cool projects in, in that first stint over at Ubisoft. So so what led from all of these really positive experiences to, I guess, jumping ship or finding yourself over at Frontier Developments? Um, so yeah, that was more of a personal thing. I yeah. didn't actually want to leave... Ubisoft, um, but my partner at the time and me were having. She was still in England, and it was really a case of if we wanted to make that work, I had to go back. Yeah. So you know, I'd been in France at this point for three years, and it was just like it was an emotional thing. And like I remember, I was in I was in floods of tears telling my my manager that I was leaving because I was really kind of committed to that team at that point. Um, but, you know, I, I, I wanted to try and make that relationship at the time work. And I said, okay, well, I'll show my commitment and I will come back to England. I will get another job. Um, and, I, and I did. And I, uh, I, and <laughs> I think I've been back for two weeks and she broke up with me. So I was kind of back in England. Uh, I had a new place. I had a new job. And my relationship had ended. <laughs> It was not a good time. Um, no, not, not the ideal yeah, circumstance, that, for sure. That's how I came back. Um, Sorry? Yeah, I said not not the ideal circumstance, for sure. No, no. <laughs> but that's that's really how I ended up at Frontier. Um, I needed another job, and you know, Frontier was more than willing to pick me up. And so you came on board. You uh, worked as a senior 3D artist there. You got to work uh-huh. on the likes of Warhammer Age of Sigma, and a game that I personally am a massive fan of being Jurassic World Evolution 2. Um <laughs> Oh gee, I spent a lot, I spent a whole lot of time with that game, but um, I guess what what was the experience like? Because it was, I guess, uh, compared to your your three to four years there at Ubisoft to begin with, it was a shorter mm. tenure. Um, but what was it? Mm. What was it like to work on first um, a yeah. franchise like you know Jurassic Park, Jurassic World, but also just the studio life itself, the new role, mm. new environment. 
It's well, I did the whole job remote because it was in the middle of COVID. Oh, of um, course, yeah, 2020 2021. Yeah, so it was middle of COVID lockdowns. Um, I never physically met anyone at the studio. Um, I never met my team in person or anything like that. So I did, I did my entire time working from my home office. And uh, yeah, I mean, onboarding was a bit rough because it was just kind of it was a bit difficult everyone was still kind of getting used to having to onboard people um remotely remotely uh, that was not it's not an easy thing to do uh and getting someone up to speed and helping them and yeah it's not it's it's tough so it was a little rocky at the start um but I, you know i found my groove and um they very quickly discovered that i'm i can be a little outspoken with my thoughts so they you know i would always raise ideas and things and they weren't necessarily used to that uh but it was fine uh i, I kind of joined mid-production so it was really just kind of having to fall into it and just just getting the work done um yeah. i didn't really get to express my uh myself too much in that role because uh, it was all very you know they gave me they gave me some tasks that i got to have some fun with um, they just kind of say, okay, we need this, just do it. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll have fun with it. That, that, that went fine. Um, I think that was, you know, there was a few smaller props and I, I, I made the, the big auditorium, um, oh, yeah? auditorium, the, I think it's an auditorium. I can't remember. Um, from, from the second film and, uh, yeah, it, it was great fun. I, I, I really enjoyed working on that game and the, and the team were, were really good. Uh, but obviously, perhaps as you're indicating there, it's just a hint of friction bet- uh, between you and others through, due, I guess, potentially compounded a little bit by the remote nature, but also, as you say, the, the outspoken approach and the fact that they potentially weren't too used to that. And I'm not saying like really toxic sort of friction, but maybe just no, know, no, no, challenges no, no. as a result. It, it, uh, my issues working there were completely unrelated to the people I was working with. I, yeah. I got on with all of them just fine. Um, it was more the studio in itself and, and the policies and the way that Frontier makes games w- was not how I liked to work. Yeah. Um, and that's nothing, you know, that's nothing against Frontier. That's just a mi- that's just a mismatch. Um, yeah, they have a very yeah, they have a very set way of how they like to do things. Um, and I discovered that that is not how I like to work, and it's not how I think games should be made um so i i left because you know why not <laughs> and so i guess that, that that takes you back to ubisoft again and so how was it uh reconvening and i guess how did that actually come about because you left and yeah obviously I... they understood the circumstances around that but then coming back um there's you know sometimes it's right time right place right person there's a whole range of different factors that can mm. be at play in this in these sorts of scenarios so how did that work out for you yeah, so they'd never actually replaced me. Um, they'd oh. never managed to find. They hadn't managed to find another lead props artist. So couldn't um, be replaced. You couldn't be replaced. <laughs> <laughs> they just couldn't find someone. Um, which is, you know, it was fine. It, it, it was really like I was looking. For, you know, I, I started looking around again, and I think I started talking to my old boss, and she went, "Let's have a chat." And. Um, so, just to, the games industry is kind of notorious for for, for pay, <laughs> for, yep. for underpaying. Um, 
and I'm, I'm not going to get too much into this, but I, what I will say is that I had some very strict conditions to coming back, mostly in regards to pay. Um, because of my rise through the ranks was very quick. Um, I was not, when I left, being paid what other leads were being paid. Yeah, so yeah. I said, I'll come back, but you have to pay me this. Um, and they went, we'll get back to you. <laughs> and, yeah, of course, that uh, comes discussion, of course. There would have been an offer on the yeah. table and your figure was not matching their figures. So natural, natural yeah. back and forth. Um, but, you know, we, we came to an agreement and I was like, okay, well, you know, financially, it's still, it's still an okay decision. It was more, it was kind of on par with what I was earning at Frontier at this point. And I was, I was kind of growing up a little bit in my career and I decided that, you know, fin I have to really start thinking about this financially now and not like just about what I, what I love yeah, doing and what I want to do. I, I have to think about, you know, am I being paid correctly? Um, and yeah, and you know, so I got I got a better deal out of it, and uh, you know, it was completely unintended. It's not like I left and decided to come back to try and get a better a better pay. No, it was, of course, it just, this is just the way it worked out, you know. Yeah. Um, so I, I did benefit from it, and I got to live back in Annecy, um, which is a beautiful place. So yeah. Well, um, I guess in that time, and we'll, we'll be careful about kind of what we do and don't discuss here, but uh, a bit more work mm. on X to find, but also a game that has been announced, I guess, fairly recently still in the grand scheme of things, in Star Wars Outlaws. Now, before we... We cannot dive too deeply into that title for a range of hopefully obvious reasons to all the listeners. Uh, but I guess, what was your attachment to the license before actually getting the opportunity to work on it? Were you a bit of a Star Wars fan growing up? Um, I'm not the most, like, hardcore... Like, I, I, I'm not, like most hardcore Star Wars fan. I That's okay. Some Wonder of the films. most hardcore I've played. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, I know quite a lot about the lore. Um, I've played pretty much every Star Wars game that there is. I've watched all the films. I love them. You know, I have a few lightsabers flying around. Um, yeah. And I, I knew, a, you know, I was a fan. Yeah. No, clearly. Um, that's... Yeah, I mean, you may, yes, there is that next level hardcore, but you certainly know your way around the franchise. So. Yes, I know the franchise very well. Yeah. So, what was it then like to realize that? Okay, well, this is like I get to work on a Star Wars game here. <laughs> yeah, um, kind of the same with Jurassic Park. It was like, oh, there's suddenly a realization of oh, I'm working on one of the big, one of the most recognizable yeah. film franchises in the world, <laughs> um, which you know, it's cool. <laughs> It really depends, in my opinion, like what you want to get out of making games. If you really want to um, work on stuff like this, then there's, there's ample opportunity to do that. Um, and if if you, you know, if Star Wars or Jurassic Park are you know very important to you, then those types of projects will be like a dream come true. And they really feel like that when you're working they are more on them. Plentiful because... these days too. Yeah, because you get to you really get to delve into it, um, and you you get to see things in in levels of detail that very few people will have uh, in the past. And you get you get yeah, I, it's really difficult to talk about this. No, no, no um, so but I it, totally it, understand it, what you're doing. But it's a it's a lot of fun. 
it really yeah. is enjoyable as anyone is a fan of of the series um yeah it's kind of like it is kind of dreamlike but it's also it's a bit restrictive and that you might have ideas yeah yeah there's but... kind of a guidebook that's been established though by the those who've yeah. come before for example yeah like you might have ideas of things that you want to do but there's no way yeah <laughs> you, no i completely like... understand that's it's the the blessing and a curse that can sometimes come with working on something that is established and especially established in something outside of video games um, yeah it's... if you work on a franchise you can pretty much expect to make exactly what that franchise is expecting yeah you 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 won't get a lot of wiggle room um you have to be happy with that if 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 that if you're not comfortable with someone dictating or, or a company dictating what you have to do creatively franchise work is not for you <laughs> yeah and I guess I'm, I'm sensing that that's kind of your feeling there and potentially in part what led to you moving on to, to Fish Labs? Uh, Combination of factors, potentially? No. Like, I... I have no issue working on franchises. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm at a stage in my career where I, I don't care quite so much about, like, what the project is. I care more about um, the people I work with, uh, yeah. the, the general attitude at work, um, the you know that I'm treated fairly, that I'm paid properly. It's you know this is a career. This is this is of something course. I plan to do until I retire. So I can't always. I'm not always going to get to work on. This is something that a lot of people don't realize that when you work in games, you are not always going to get to work on the game that you would personally play. Um, and that is, like, there are some people I've spoken to that say, I would never work on a game that I would never, wouldn't play. There, most of the industry doesn't get to work on games that they would personally play. It's a very luxurious um, position to be able to be able to do that or be able to even dictate that, which is on, on a high level, you know, be able yeah. to drive these things to make the game that you want. Very few people will get that opportunity in their life. Yeah, and when, when you jump into the industry, you're going to be, you know, deer in a headlight. You're, you're going to be like, I want to do this, I want to do that. You're going to have so many wants um and maybe that'll change maybe it won't um for me it has become you know i focus more on the team that i i want to work with um yeah. what we create and i'll you know i'll do my damn best to make sure that what we create is is the best thing that we can produce um what that is i'm not as fussed anymore no completely understand um, and before we, I guess, completely pivot over to the the latest step in the journey, which is which is mm-hmm. uh, Fish Labs, touching on, I guess, the the recent semi recent announcement of the game. What was it like seeing it revealed to the world? And um, you know, yeah, it was really cool. Ten minute splices put up there for people. There's been lots of lots of commentary yeah. around the game and a lot of excitement too. So, what's it been like for you? I guess now looking at it from the outside, but seeing you know components of your work there and obviously lots yeah. of friends and teammates that are all part of that and that i'm you know, really happy for them the i'm just really happy for them like th- those guys are putting in a, a lot of work um and for some of them it's their first release and it's their first big thing and it's their first franchise and i wish them all the luck and joy in the world when that when when they finally launch and i hope it all is worthwhile um for them and i hope they just enjoy it 
Um, it's a wild ride. Um, and for me, you know, it's it's a little it's, it's dulled a little bit. It, it makes me happy. I'm proud of the work that I, I managed to do while I was there. Um, and I wish the team, you know, all the best in the sticking the landing. No, that's that's awesome. And I, I guess popping my two cents in, the game is looking fantastic. So congratulations on your part in the project as well. And uh, yeah, I guess that that leads us to your most recent endeavor, but has kind of been interrupted a little bit by ha- you know having having a child and and all the very exciting things that have kind of happened in life recently. We touched on earlier fish labs. So how did how did they come into the mix? Uh, what was was there anything about the studio in particular that really caught your eye that was appealing to getting into the role? Um, so at this point in my career, I'm quite. I'm quite well connected, um, yeah. but uh, I, I, I just kind of, I was putting out feelers to see like, okay, me and, and my wife are wanting to go, you know, to, we're deciding to have a baby. We don't really want to raise our baby in France. We don't want to have the baby in France. So how how are we going to do this? So I started you know asking around, and um and, and a friend of mine um used to work there, uh, Jan Kalutza. He works for for Epic now. He's yeah. one of the best technical artists around. Um, and he used to work there, and he just said, you know, my old studio is looking for someone just like you. Let me put you in touch. And so I you know ended up having a few conversations and going through the interview process and they are very comfortable with people working remote and that's what I was looking for. I wanted to be able to move to Sweden and I was looking for a company that was happy for me to work remotely from Sweden. Um, that was also, you know, reputable and, and, and financially stable because I'm looking for stability, you know, of I have a family and yep. um, appreciate. So I'm, yeah, and uh, you know, the interview process was really good, and I and it was long, which was good because um, I wanted them to be sure, and I wanted to be sure uh, that I was making the right decision. Because um, you know, they were hiring me into a, a leadership position, and that hiring leadership externally is tough to get right. Um, but they, you know, they they were confident, um, and I'm I spoke with a lot of directors there, and. Um, I'd actually already kind of been in touch with a with a couple with the art director who's a who's a great guy um, yep. who I work with now and he was already familiar with me from my from my Twitter actually so um, one of the other benefits of, of being active on social media is this, this art director was like well I don't really need to talk to you about your views on certain things because I follow I've you on Twitter them. and you're very vocal <laughs> so so we in my interview it was very funny because he just kind of said well we don't need to talk about that because I know I know what you think about these things so let's talk about this instead and I went okay because um, he was already really keen um, for me to, to come on board because we have very similar mindsets certain, yep. in, in certain ways so we're already a pretty um good match to work together which which was good um i also wanted to work yeah and i i wanted to work with a slightly smaller team as well um slightly smaller studio and just uh yeah you know smaller team smaller studio you normally have to make more decisions uh for the project so 
I wanted to kind of jump into that a little bit and move away a bit more from the giant corporation um, in some way. No, I, it's, weird. it's weird. It's because Fish Labs is still part of like this giant, like yeah, the giant embracer. Of, of, yeah. yeah, but it's still you know independent in a way, and you know they still make their own decisions about what they want to do. Um, Which is awesome. So that's that's good. Yeah, and obviously, I mean, you've we've touched on the team a little bit already, but uh, obviously there's there's plenty of experience there in kind of some you know diverse sort of titles as well, from things like Manticore and Saints Row for reelected. Chorus is a more recent title. Um, lots of lots of really interesting ideas coming out of the studio, and I guess we can't and won't necessarily dive too much into the the project side of things. But what are you looking to, I guess, bring to the mix? Um, mostly my experience in what I've already done. Um, they were really looking for um, someone to look after that particular team, um, and I've really moved my career into being about team management yep. and and project management. So uh, that's really what they needed. Um, and so I've really kind of put my head down and gone, okay, I'm I'm a hundred percent. Uh, a manager at this point and uh, I work very closely with you know our art director to make sure that we're making the right project decisions but my focus is making sure my team are happy and they're getting that they're heard that they are you know getting what they need um, to do their job to the best of their ability and that's that's really my role now um, yeah. and you know and a, a happy team is you know the game will just be better <laughs> so. of course it's the the whole you know the old happy wife happy life sayings it's the teamwork makes the dream work all of those sorts of sayings that are 100% applicable um, and transfer to lots of different um, personal and working relationships and scenarios so why wouldn't they work here well uh, obviously very much looking forward to seeing what comes of the the time there with the team and uh, people can look forward to that sometime in the future I guess but um uh, as as we start to wind things down, I should uh, quickly throw to myself so I can uh, shout out the patrons that are helping fuel Dev Diary before we start to wrap things up. And so it's at this point in the show that I want to make sure that I shout out all of the amazing patrons at the show shout out tier on patreon.com slash Podcast. Those people are supporting at the top tier in the show, gets them this shout out, and I am eternally thankful because you are helping fuel the fire that is Dev Diary now and into the future. And so, with this newest episode, I want to shout out Scott Makes Games and my mum, Julie James. Thank you very much for supporting this show, and let's get back to it. Alright, let's start to bring this one home. A couple uh, lighter ones, as, as well as a couple more serious ones, just to, to quickly finish things up for today. Is there anyone that you've worked with or, or look at from afar that really inspires you and, and the way you go about your work? And I'm sure there's plenty. Oh, You've had the opportunity to work with some amazing people, undoubtedly. Really difficult question. Um, who? Honestly, like, I can't answer that question because I will do a disservice to the people that so I've people, worked yeah. with. Um, I, I, everyone I've worked with, um, just the passion that they have for their craft. Um, everyone who works in games this is this misconception that i think some people have is that it's the devs 
the devs are lazy, the devs are this, the devs are that. Oh. Like, no, like, devs devs never go to work thinking, I want to make a shit game. Like, that just doesn't exist. Everyone who does this wants to produce something the awesome. Project. Yeah. We want something, we want to make something cool. That's why we do this job. And everyone that I've worked with has just shown that. And I, I can't I can't say this this one person has like heavily influenced like or I admire I admire a lot of people and I am you know I I'm I'd say I'm particularly thankful for the people that helped me when I first got in the industry of course um Florent Desunay I can't I can't I, I, I butcher his name but he's a he's a wonderful artist he's now a, an art director somewhere um, but he was the his senior artist at Annecy when I started. Um, possibly the nicest person I've ever met. Um, and very easy to work with, obviously. But he was very patient with me, asking a billion questions. Um, but his attitude and general work professionalism is something that I have tried to keep at the back of my mind throughout the rest of my career because in my mind like that's how you should be that's how you that's what you would want someone to be like that you're working with um and that's you know something i always try to keep at the back of my mind um and also my i i'd say Anne uh at uh at ubisoft Annecy as well she um she really helped me kind of become the manager I am now, in my opinion. Um, she kind of just supported me a lot when I was uh, wondering what the hell I was doing um, and just kind of encouraged me a lot and encouraged me to do what I thought was right, um, which is why I'm kind of, I've had the success that I've had, I think. So yeah, probably those guys. No, that, that's awesome. And of course, yeah, you've had the opportunity to work alongside and with so many different amazing people over the journey and to be able to you know, narrow down a crowd as, uh, as you've kind of indicated, it's doing a disservice to all those other amazing people that you'd not be able to touch on for, for whatever reason. So I completely respect it. Uh, what have been some of the more valuable lessons or experiences you've had along the road so far? Anything that's really stuck Ooh. out at you? Something that's kind of always remained in your mind as you approach your work today even? Well, yeah, today, you're still um, enjoying me for a bit longer, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, um, so imposter syndrome is, is a killer. It's horrible. It's really dis it, it can be really stop you working. Um, it can be very debilitating. So, what I would say is that at, at some point earlier on uh, in my career, I sat myself down and I realized that in, this imposter syndrome sort of mindset was harming. Uh, my ability to do my work properly and i i managed to just basically talk myself into like l listen <laughs> i got this job like do i trust and respect the people that hired me yes i trust my boss i trust his boss um do i respect the experience that those people have a combined amount of experience like all the people that were involved in hiring me must tally like you know a century worth of actual experience making games 
you know, the guy, my direct boss had just had over 11 years in the industry, just himself, you know? Yeah. Right. Um, and, and I just thought, okay, I trust those people. I respect those people to make the right decision. And they decided to hire me, which means I deserve to be here because those are the people that they, they've made these decisions so many times. They're not going to get it wrong. So trust those people and just fucking get on with it. Yeah. <laughs> just do your job, you know? Um, stop worrying about if you're if I'm supposed to be there, if I deserve to be there. You know, I work my ass off. Yes, I deserve to be there. And the people that I respect want me there. So just stop thinking about it. Stop worrying about it and just do it. Just get on, on with it. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to say that there's a cure to, to imposter syndrome, but it definitely helped me. It worked in your case. Yeah. Yeah, obviously, obviously different people will face these things in different ways, but certainly... Um that proved to be successful for you and hopefully it can work for others as well some lighter ones now as we as we wrap things up if you could be credited for any game retroactively add your name into the credits i worked on game x and it can be a simple special thanks too if that's all you need what game would you have loved to have been a part of oh uh the i do just probably skyrim like <laughs> i i mean like i I have this, like, you know, if I could work on a fantasy, like, RPG at some point in my life, that would be great. Um, the, so, the yeah. Final Fantasy Mystic Quest remake isn't appealing to you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I'd say Skyrim. Like, I have a special place in my heart for that game and all, and all of its quirks. Uh, but just to have been involved in that project um yeah that would that would that would that's like a a younger me like oh i'd love to make work on skyrim you know <laughs> no that's fair uh, an amazing game and obviously a fantastic choice conversely if you could go and replay a game strike it from your memory and get to experience it all over again what game would you like to play again shit and uh, I guess for a lot of people that can be sometimes dictated to by narrative. Sometimes it's uh, some you know a big gameplay pivot, whatever it happens to be. Um, so obviously um, there's I'm, so many I, reasons. I, I will say, um, oh, fuck. Uh, <laughs> Monster Hunter World. Oh, yes. Um, um, yeah, I. There are. Of all the games that I was not expecting to tear up at at the end, it was Monster, Monster Hunter, Hunter World. When when the when 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 the credits when I rolled credits on Monster Hunter World, and I am a huge Monster Hunter fan, um, but when I rolled credits on Monster Hunter World and the the music hits, oh, on, the music on, is great. On, yeah. on on when the when the credits roll, I was a mess i was just sat there and just go that game was fucking awesome <laughs> i just sat there and i just been through and there's this whole sort of climactic um crescendo of music kicked off uh, when the credits rolled and i just went i i i have thousands of hours in that game and um i would happily play through that for the first time uh, again yeah that was an amazing experience. So, I mean, you obviously say you're a Monster Hunter fan. I wasn't up until that point. Monster Hunter World okay. made me into one. And obviously there's lots of reports of people like that. And look, I didn't quite break into tears, but 
I too was quite emotional getting to the end of that because it was very much a, a relief and not a relief like relief it's over but like relief I actually <laughs> did it I finally cracked the, the Monster Hunter nut like I finally worked it out um, yeah and I've just been so in love with that franchise ever since and whether it's Rise going back and trying some of the other ones which is a little bit jarring considering the yeah, uh, yeah. The, the changes that have come with World and Onwards but uh, really really enjoyed it so a fantastic decision, a fantastic pick there uh, well, Joe, thank you so much for, for coming on the show and, and sharing this journey so far. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on board. Uh, and I really appreciate the fact that uh, you've carved out a bit of time amongst your parental leave, which is very, very gracious of you. It's, uh, there's a lot going on at this particular point in your life. So, I mean, beyond even just the parenthood thing, as we've already discussed. So I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Uh, it's, if, yeah, it's, thanks for having me on. It's, uh, if, it's been good fun. If people want to, I guess... Uh, tune in to more of what you're up to now obviously we've mentioned twitter there's uh, i mean the social media oh, do we call it x now what are we doing um <laughs> decide who cares um there's obviously so many different uh platforms out there for people these days but if they do want to get in touch or learn more about what you're up to where should people go uh yes yeah, so mostly twitter so at jlh game art uh, you can find me there most of the time uh, you can call it X, you can call it Twitter, I don't care. <laughs> Who cares? Um, honestly, if you just type in JLH Game Art, you'll find anything I'm uh, related to me. Um, that's pretty much where I, where I am on any platform. No, fa- fantastic. Uh, and again, I guess for me specifically, thank you so much for giving me your time. Uh, it was one of those things that just kind of popped up miraculously for us, but I'm thrilled to have been able to have a chat. and It's been really fascinating for myself, as I'm sure it has been for the listeners as well. So thank you once more. Yeah, no problem. And yeah, anyone, feel free to reach out. I'm, I'm always willing to have a chat. And listeners, as always, thank you very much for listening, and I'll see you next time. That concludes this entry of Dev Diary. Be sure to subscribe to this feed, share with your friends, and give us a five-star review to help boost the show up the charts for greater exposure. If you have any people you'd like me to reach out to an interview, then please find me at Paul James Games on Twitter to help me get in touch with them. Until our next episode, however, that's been Joe's story. Thank you much for listening, and I'll see you next time.